I'm your host, Rob Carbone. This is BD Because I've gotten so busy now with like the uh, the Knicks continuing to stay as this interesting team, so I'm in, I'm still investing the same amount of time that I normally wouldn't invest in them. Like I always watch every game, but now that the Yankees are back on, like usually this usually this time of year with the Yankees back on. I, you know, last year, at least with the podcast, we laid back a bit with the Knicks and the episodes weren't as in-depth later in the year because they were out of the race. They were well below 500. They were, you know, the 14th seed, whatever. It's like, what what else is there to talk about? I'm just tired of it. I'm not motivated. But now, since they're playing you know, competitive basketball, and they're in this playoff race still. We still, I still have so much to say. So I'm still watching every single minute of every game, analyzing everything, taking all these notes, just as I was at the start of the season. So like the workload is just piling up for me here in the podcast, um, having to cover both the Yankees and the Knicks with the same with the same, um, not, not for lack of a better word, intensity, I guess, but like, you know, with the same uh, energy, I guess, investing so much time into them. It's tough because I did not expect this team to, to be playing how they are this late in the year, the Knicks. The Yankees, actually, you know, technically, I said, uh, I joked in, in 228, couple episodes ago that uh, the Knicks are on pace to make the playoffs and the Yankees are not. And that still stands true. The Yankees are now 3-4 and four on the season. They continue to not be able to take care of their division rivals. Um, they struggled against the Jays. They failed to finish off a minor league team in the O's on Wednesday night. And they now just took the first loss of a three-game series against Tampa. Half the trop. So that could be a sweep. But I'm not expecting the Yankees to walk away with much from this series either. They're a fucking mess. And we're going to get to them in 231. But for tonight's episode 230. Yeah, I want to welcome you to the show. Thank you for stopping by. Um, it's... It's been a uh, it's been a fun season. It's been an interesting last couple of weeks, right? Quite different. We're kind of facing some adversity here as Knicks fans. Um, the team isn't exactly playing as great, but a good bounce back win today from those two losses in a row against Brooklyn, against Boston, um, <laughs> and now we're in a position to where we hope that this win tonight can carry and you know kind of shift some momentum here and get us going again to turn the season around um so yeah we're, we're getting to the Knicks in this one episode in this guy's uh this episode 
guys um 230 so welcome to the podcast if you're new to bd4 be sure to subscribe to the podcast on many different platforms you can find bd4 on apple Podcasts, itunes spotify soundcloud google anchor if you want to watch the podcast the video version is up on youtube so you can also do that <clears throat> um and you you can of course follow me on social media um, you can follow my Twitter, my Instagram, and my Facebook. If you're watching the podcast on YouTube, it's right on the screen. But if you are listening to the podcast, you can find my social media. You can find the other outlets to listen to this podcast. And you can find my blog all on my website. And to get all that information, just go to my link tree. Go to linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone. And that'll take you to my link tree, which takes you to the many different links where to reach me. It's all organized, so it's an easy thing to do. So linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone. That will take you there. <clears throat> so yeah, <laughs> um, it's been a hell of a season so far for the Knicks. And, you know, I, I don't want to waste your time you know because it is very late you know that game went to overtime so right now it is um 140 about 145 in the morning as i'm recording this so when i finish i gotta edit it i gotta you know put it up make the promo uh so hopefully maybe I'll just do that in the morning. By the time you're listening to this, it's sometime on a Saturday. So it's so as you're listening to this, it should be Saturday, April 10th. So so technically it's Saturday, April 10th as I'm speaking to early in the morning. But as you're listening to this, it should be sometime Saturday, April 10th, either late morning or afternoon, the earliest. So yeah. Let's let's head to break. You know, we might as well just dive right into this one. Don't want to waste further your time or my time. I'm tired. Um, and uh, but no, we're going to cover everything we can, and we'll get to uh, we'll get to the past couple of games. We'll start talking about the Boston Celtics game from a few uh, days ago, and then we'll talk about tonight's win over the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, you know, I was texting my brother-in-law. <laughs> He's a big Grizzlies guy. Um, He's from Tennessee, so he's a Memphis fan, and he is, you know, we're constantly bantering about John Morant, R.J. Barrett, and we were texting back and forth a little bit tonight, um, but it was it was funny. It was funny because, um, you know, texting him after the game, because he texted me, I guess, when R.J. was struggling, you know, only a couple points in the first three quarters, and he goes, more like R.J. Carrot. <laughs> so, okay. And so... Shut my mouth because I'm just waiting. I know RJ's a fourth quarter player, and I told him that. I, I literally put it up in the text. Uh, pull it up here. Uh, I, I I put it out there in text. I said I said fucking. I yeah. I told him you better chill out because RJ RJ's a fourth quarter player. Why can't I find it? Oh. And um. Yeah. And then he texted me back after that, and then I texted him 
after overtime, I, I go, hey, buddy, you want to let me know the score at the end of the game? I, my TV broke. I, I just need to find out the score. So it's always fun fucking around with Grizzlies. I don't know many Grizzlies fans at all. You know, I know I, I probably know more Grizzlies fans than I do Nets fans. Um, you know, one is greater than zero after all. So, um, but yeah, it was a fun victory. It was a good way to, um, that was a shitty fucking story, by the way. It was a good way to, um, again, try and turn this season around. Not that like we're in dire straits, but you know, before this victory, we were two in a row on the verge of dropping out of the top eight. So we want to try and avoid this play in shit as much as possible. And um, I don't think the, the unfortunate part is I don't think the Knicks moved up after tonight, but I do have to check because some games have completed by now um, that we haven't checked yet. So maybe they did, but you know, I, I looked after the game. They were still number eight. So we want to try and be top six. That's ideal here. Um, I don't know if they're going to be as, as good as four. That's, that's where, you know, they've peaked at four a couple times this year, but if they can get to top six, we will take that. We do not want to go into that play-in scenario, um, especially that ladder play-in where you're going to have to play, to, to play two games, I believe. That's a fucking scary thought. But again, the schedule wasn't quite the easiest. Now, it's not as tough as I actually thought, and we were kind of laughing about that in 228. But it is, you know, there's a really, really tough West Coast trip at the end of the year. Where you're going to LA, you're going to Memphis, you're going to Phoenix, you're playing the Lakers and the Clippers, and I think you end the season on the East Coast at, um, or maybe at home, but against the Celtics again. So it's not exactly Armageddon like I kept hyping it up to be, but it's not easy. It's going to be difficult if the Knicks aren't on their game, and as we've seen lately, they aren't always on their game. You know, they've had their ups and downs, um, as a 500 team does. So, we just have to hope we stay healthy. We just have to hope that Randall can kind of find that energy again, because he is a bit gassed. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that works. I, I doubt Tom Thibodeau is going to load manage him, and I'm not the biggest advocate for load management, but, you know, he is a little tired. And we're going to get to that, you know, because that had to do with a lot of what happened down the stretch in these last couple of games, but we're going to get to that in the Celtics recap in just a second. And we'll also talk about the, again, the win tonight from uh, the garden against Memphis. So let's head to our first break and we'll get to everything. Once we get back, be right back. So really quick before we get back into the show, I do want to remind you that if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast or subscribed to my blog or followed me on social media even, you can do all that by going to my link tree. Just go to linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. That is linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. Guys, thanks so much. Let's get back to the show.
it sucks losing to the Celtics, man. I I cannot stand the Boston Celtics. I don't know about you. I cannot stand them. They're probably the team I hate the most, to be honest with you. The Nets are up there, but again, the Nets don't have any fans, and the Nets also have never won a championship in their history. As bad as the Knicks have been, at least the Knicks have a championship. Uh, but the Nets don't have any fans, and they they don't have any success in their history. So it's I still hate them to death. I hate them. I hate all six of their fans, but... It's something about the Boston. It's, it's the Boston New York thing. I don't care what sport it is. I'm never going to let that down. And I get on. My, my, my cousin gets on me for it um, because he just thinks it's like a Red Sox Yankees thing. It's everything. I don't care what team it is. It's not just Yankees, Red Sox. To me, it's Boston New York. It's always been a big rivalry in sports the Knicks and the Celtics, the Yankees and the Sox, and my cousin gets on me because I hate the Patriots. It's always been Giants-Patriots. Now, I understand the whole argument, the hammer doesn't hate the nail, but it's not It's not really a and I hate you because you're better than me thing. It's just an I hate you because you're a Boston sports team thing. And that's how I feel with the Knicks and Celtics. I just ah, they always get on my nerves. Paul Pierce has wreaked havoc. Um, Bill Simmons is a pain in the ass. Um, fuck the ringer. <laughs> um, it's just, I, I I don't like the Celtics. And it sucks because like I like some of their players. Tatum has game. Brown has game. You know, they've got... Who else is that kid? Uh, not Kemba. Kemba's pretty washed now. But that, that other kid they have... Um, Jesus... Not Kemba, not Thompson. They, this He's a wing, I think. I don't know. I can't think of the kid's fucking name. But they've got some good young players. Um, and if I wasn't a Knicks fan, I would, you know, consider myself a, a fan of what they're doing over there. But I also, I've always been a big, uh, a big uh, Stevens guy. But I just hate them. I can't. Yeah, fuck Danny Ainge. Fuck the Celtics. Every time the Knicks play them, I want to beat them. There was that game last year. Was it last year? Or two years ago? Where Trey Burke went off on the Celtics and carried the Knicks to a victory? That was like one of my greatest moments at that time. <laughs> I just I just don't like the Celtics. Never will. So it sucked that we had to... It really did. It sucked that we had to lose to them in this fashion. Um, Knicks dropped this one at the fake garden too. That's another thing. Fuck TD Garden. Um, but the Knicks dropped 99 points versus Boston's 101. So they take the two-point loss at the fake Garden. Um, and they drop to 2-9. Two 2-9 and nine, two and nine in games decided by three points or less. So that could have been worse tonight if they hadn't edged it out against the, uh, the Grizz. It's a bit of a deceiving stat because the free throws towards the end of games that are already decided kind of changes things. But... Bottom line, the Knicks have struggled in these close games, and we saw that again in Boston. Um, I don't want to get into this one too too in depth, you know, because I I kind of just hate talking about games that are way in the past. I like to stay current, so we're going to touch more on 
the specifics once we get to this Grizzlies victory. But as far as this Celtics game, the first half of it was, was just repulsive. The Knicks were getting outclassed on the boards, and that continued throughout the night. But in the first half, you know, Alfred Payton with the awful tunnel vision, just missing shot after shot at the rim, turning it over a number of times. Um, his play was so bad, even to his normal shit standards, it was even worse than his usual. Um, he was even benched late in the second quarter for it, and as soon as he got benched, not ironically, R.J. Barrett starts percolating. He gets hot, hits a pair of threes, and the Knicks eventually, you know, Randall hits a big shot there after struggling in the first half, hits a three, and the Knicks go into the half down just one point, 47-46. Third quarter comes, and Alfred Payton kind of redeems himself a bit. He looks for some redemption, he throws a, a lob to Noel. Then he um, hits up Julius in the mid-range. Then he gets a few of his own to fall. He hits a three-pointer. Then he gets inside the arc and flicks up a floater. Um, he helps bring the Knicks within seven, uh, no, up seven points. He puts the Knicks up seven points, which was their largest lead of the game. So a nice job by Pay uh, yeah, Peyton. And from there, you know, it was pretty much Jason Tatum and, and uh, Jalen Brown not missing a thing. The Celtics killing us on the break. Uh, I thought later in the fourth, Marcus Smart just started torching us. But that turning point, I think the turning point in this game against Boston was around the uh, like the six-minute mark or so when the Knicks had themselves a five-point lead. Um, Randall pulls up early in the shot clock in isolation, bricks a shot. Then, you know, the following possession, you get Derrick Rose... Um, getting blocked by Tristan Thompson on the drive there. That leads to a, a, a fast break, and Brown finishes at the rim there. And eventually, because of those two possessions, Randall and Rose, it leads to a Boston Celtics 9 nothing run. That was the turning point. It kind of took the air out of all of our tires, and they kind of just took it all, and they rode with it. Um, RJ did end that 9 nothing run with a with a nice mid-range shot from about 18 feet away. But then he lost the ball. He had that big, crucial turnover, and that led to another basket from Brown on the break. Um, RJ did answer back from three to tie the game at 93 with about 30 seconds left, but then Marcus Smart happened. And again, Smart had three points in the first three freaking quarters. In the fourth quarter of this one, he scored 14. I don't get it, but it's the most Nick shit in the world, and it happened. Tie game with about 30 seconds left. Here comes Marcus Smart. The big shot to tie uh, to end the game, to take the lead and, and essentially end the game. So there's 30 ticks on the clock. Tatum has the ball at the top of the key, right? He's more near the, the top of the... He's like on the right wing for three. Smart's on the opposite wing, maybe more the elbow, you know, on the, on the left elbow. So you got Tatum here, Smart there, or as you're, you're watching it, on the opposite. So you have Tatum here, Smart there, or you may be listening to this, but okay. So you have Tatum outside, Smart outside, both opposite from each other outside the three line. But you have Reggie coming to help Randall double Tatum. Why? I do not know. Well, I do. So Randy, we'll get to that. Randall and uh, Reggie 
come to double Tatum, and he kicks it to Smart. Smart's wide open because Reggie comes to help Randall, and the three's good. Now, I spent like a good half hour to an hour after the game trying to figure out why the fuck Reggie would help there. Why is he doubling Tatum? Trying forever, you know. When I'm thinking about it, this is the Knicks scheme. It's been their defensive scheme all year. They leave shooters open who cannot shoot very well. Now, Smart, he's 38% on, on open three-pointers. That's not worse. That's not bad at all. It's not the worst in the world. But I was looking on Twitter, and I came across a stat. Um, it was it was a tweet by Macri, and it said that how Marcus Smart is below 20% in the fourth quarter from three-point distance. So, you know, I understand it. I get it. At least there is an answer for it, right? I don't exactly agree with it, but there is an answer for why Reggie was doubling Tatum and leaving Smart open. I would think that had something to do with that, and Tibbs told him to ride that scheme there. But I still, I wouldn't have, the only way I double Tatum there is if he's away from the top of the key and his back is to the basket. But he wasn't. He was facing up there, and they were... Doubling him when he's looking at the rim, he had all the vision in the world, and he's he's kicking it to a wide open Marcus Smart, and just right then, regardless of that scheme, regardless of them playing the percentages, you damn well knew that Smart was hitting that shot. I don't care if it was Dwight Howard out there, whoever was there was hitting that shot. It's just the way the Knicks, it's just the way the things have been going for the Knicks at the time, um, and he hits it, and so from there. That pretty much ended the contest. The Knicks had their opportunities. You had RJ hitting a three. Um, again, before that, but that happens, and that's pretty much it. You had the game ended from there. Uh, the Knicks tried their best, but to no avail. So, it was very unfortunate. Um, that was the Celtics game. I'm trying to think. Yeah, that was that was it. I really don't have anything else down here on my notes, um, statistically, I just have, yeah, that, that's, that's it. Just have smart 38% on open threes. We said that, I, I don't know. It sucked to lose that one. You know, I would have liked Emmanuel quickly to kind of get more minutes there down the stretch. He only had 13 minutes overall in the Celtics game. Um, he was two for four. He had a good moment. A couple of moments. He helped the Knicks boost their offense in that second quarter. He looked pretty good. Um, you know, as the Knicks saw some more zone from Stevens, I would have liked him out there to help shoot their way out of it. But I kind of understand it, you know, because if, if Quickly was in the game there, especially late, he probably would have been tasked with guarding Marcus Smart and, and vice versa. Smart probably, you know, I'm sure the Celtics would have switched Smart on too quickly. So I understand that decision. I'm not going to go crazy there. Um, and overall, that's not the reason they lost. The reason the Knicks lost this game is, again, they were getting outclassed on the offensive boards. They were just getting humiliated and had no shot. Um, they were, it was 16 to 5 offensively. It was 16 to 5 on the offensive glass. That should never happen. I don't care who's injured. That should not happen. All right. You had Thompson getting eight boards. You had Robert Williams the third with ten rebounds. This fucking Langford, Langford kid, a swingman, out getting getting big offensive rebounds over our bigs. I mean, I mean, Langford was. You had Langford on Noel 
This is a kid filling in for Kemba Walker, okay? He was on Noel a couple of times for stretches in this one, but the Knicks never exploited it. They never exploited that mismatch. You know, Noel, what, three or four attempts from the field and a couple of free throws, four free throws? They never really exploited that. They were outscored in the paint by 10. They were outclassed on the glass by, like, a lot. It was it was ugly. I just wish the the, the effort was piss poor. Um, again, you do miss Mitchell Robinson, but you needed to do a lot better than that. That was rough to sit through. Um, so, yet Alec Burks not very productive. And in the blog after the game, I, I called him J.R. Smith without the dramatics. <laughs> you know, because he he either he had that twenty points per game stretch for about five or six games. You know, a couple weeks ago. And, you know, heading into tonight, before tonight happened, he was averaging like four points, maybe 4.7 points in his last three or four games. So, very erratic, but that's what you get from a journeyman role player, right? You're going to get the ups and the downs, um, but he's very J.R. Smithy, where there's not much middle with him. There's just 27 points or four points. It's, it's pick your poison, but that's not the right term. Um, you just got to live with it, I guess. But um, there's a positive from that game. RJ Barrett was nuts. He went insane with 29 points, 10 for 14 from the floor, 6 out of 6 from 3-point distance. Um, it wasn't just corner spot-ups. It was he hit one um, above the break. He um, hit one on the move there to end the game. You know... <laughs> So, so it was nice to see him kind of shy away from his norm and, and get a couple to fall off the bounce and not from the corner too. So it, it was pretty interesting there. Uh, but he had 29 points, 10 for 14, 6 for 6 from 3. And um, it was a good night for him. But overall, a, a really ugly, bad loss. Knicks lose a close 199 points for them to the Celtics 101. So that was, that was the Boston Celtics game. <laughs> that was that. Now, I want to get to this Memphis Grizzlies game. But first, guys, I want to ask you that if you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Subscribe to BD4 on the many different platforms this podcast is on. Um, you want to find us on iTunes, you can find us there. You can get us on Spotify, um, SoundCloud, Anchor, Google, and many other platforms. Wherever you want to get your podcast, you can watch the podcast on YouTube. That's where the video version of this podcast is. Maybe you're watching it right now. Maybe you're listening to it. But thank you if you are doing either of those. This is episode 230 of BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. Can't believe we're 230 episodes in, man. You know, I started this podcast, what, two years ago in the summer? In the summer, it's going to be two years, I believe. Fucking, might be three years, I don't, fucking, it's hard to, I gotta keep, I, it's hard for me to keep track of shit. I know I've had the blog since February of 2017, but I gotta kind of, I don't know if it's two or three years this summer with the podcast. Whatever it is, I, I want to say two, but whatever, I mean, it's, it's. I'm happy we've been able to keep this going, and I'm happy that I have anybody tuning in at all. I know I don't have much, but to have, you know, two people, whatever, however however many listeners I have, or viewers, 
wherever you are listening to this feed. Um, I appreciate that. I really do. Um, it's, it's, you know, to have somebody listen to me ramble and just talk bullshit that, um, you know, nobody really cares about but me and you. You know, that's, that's, I appreciate you fucking tuning in, even if there's, even if it's for a couple of minutes, you know, so thank you for stopping by again, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can follow me on social media as well, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find all that information along with my blog that I write on the Yankees index on my website and my website, all that shit I just mentioned, that's on my link tree. Go to linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone and that will give you all my information. Linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone. Let's head to break and when we get back, we will get to this Celtics game. All right, plug time. So really quick, before we get back into the show, I do want to remind you that if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast or subscribed to my blog or followed me on social media, even, you can do all that by going to my link tree. Just go to linktr.ee slash RJ Carbone. That is linktr.ee slash RJ Carbone. Guys, thanks so much. Let's get back to the show. Barrett does not forget. 133 to 129. Knicks take the victory. The North remembers. Top 25, under 25. Who the hell cares? Anthony Edwards taking a jab at RJ in his clutch play. Who the hell cares? John Morant being selected right ahead of him. Who the hell cares? RJ, he hears all that noise. He hears it. He knows every bit of that going on. He knows of it all. He hears it. He's listening. But he doesn't give a damn in the end because he's taking it out on the court and not on social media like most modern athletes are going to do. <laughs> RJ hears it, but he takes it out on the court tonight. Just five points in the first three quarters. Five. But then he scores 15 15 points in the fourth quarter combined with overtime. And he finishes the night with 20. RJ Barrett, huge Julius Randle, showing why he's an all-star. He struggles all night mightily, getting doubled constantly. Just, they're suffocating him. Only nine shot attempts in regulation. But finishes with a triple-double regardless. His fifth of the season, coming for Clyde's eight. And he hits big shots down the stretch in fourth quarter and in overtime. Alec Burks, he's struggling all night too. Both ends. He's playing pitiful defense. The offense is not there. The shot's not falling. But come, you know, fourth quarter, maybe he hits a couple of shots. But the overtime period for Alec Burks, where he hits about three shots, maybe four field goals, was amazing. That's where you got triple B. Triple B. Big bucket Burks showing up late going crazy off the dribble, and finishing with 19 points. Emmanuel quickly, you know, displaying some of that playmaking and shooting in spot of Alfred Payton and Derrick Rose down the stretch there at the point guard position. 
So it's good to see him bounce back this way with 20 points, 7-12 shooting, 4-6 of six from 3, a team high plus 19 in the box score, keeping the defense honest with his ability to play off the dribble so well. Played a lot of point guard there, a lot of on-ball play down the stretch <clears throat> tonight. Excuse me. <clears throat> Fuck. Um, <clears throat> he was good, you know, and, and I love that Thibodeau went with um, Elf on a Shelf. There in the final uh, two quarters, fourth quarter in overtime, you know, and it paid off. Again, it paid off as IQ thrived and the Knicks played well without Peyton on the floor. It's every single time we see this. He leaves the floor, quickly comes in or rose, and the Knicks plays, they start playing better. <clears throat> so we got that tonight. Um, even, in a, even in a decent Alfred Peyton game tonight, it's still, you still need somebody who's a threat on offense down the stretch out there, right? You can't have a liability from outside three feet on the floor late in games at the point guard position. So that's why you always have to have IQ or Rose on the quarter late in the fourth. And at least Thibodeau's doing that lately, you know. So, and it's nothing against Peyton. It's just facts, right? It's just the truth. It's how it works. Um, again, I've ripped him so many times, and a lot of it is based off emotion, but a lot of it is is facts, you know, so I don't, I don't, I feel bad because I always constantly criticize this guy. So I want to make it clear. He's probably a really, really fucking cool dude. He's probably a really nice dude. I, I, you know, he's more successful than I will ever be. I'm some loser 26, soon to be 26, who's in his studio, in, in his, in his bedroom in the basement that he calls his studio. And this guy's a, a professional basketball player. So I have no legs to stand on here, but you know, having an opinion, yeah, I would prefer Alfred Payton, as good as of a guy he is, to not ever play basketball again for my team. <laughs> That's just my opinion. Um, so it was good to see him uh, sit down the stretch there. Just overall, a big victory for the Knicks. And again, one I hope gets them going and kind of turns things around here down the stretch. Because um, it's winding down. You know, we are 50-something game, what, 54, 53 games in? And this is a, an abrupt 72-game season, so... It's gonna, it's gonna become, uh, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna be over before you know it. So it's good to, it's good to bounce back tonight. Um, you know, I thought the turning point of this game was kind of like the Boston game, except in our favor with six minutes left in the game. Um, we were down 13, 13 points, guys, with just a half a quarter to play in the fourth. There, thirteen points. I gave up. I thought the Knicks mailed it in. I was about to go to bed and watch the rest of the of the game from in my bed. I I was. Um I was this close to fucking I was so close to just going downstairs, turning the living room TV off, going downstairs and just going to bed and just watching the rest of the game just so I can, you know get my final notes for the remaining six minutes. I really, I was, I was, I put a tweet out, you know, I was, I was rage tweeting again and I was about to put one more out there saying, you know, there aren't many losses where the Knicks just look dead. Um, but this was one and this was one they needed to win and they couldn't do it. I was about to go with like an overdramatic, oh, the season's turning for the worse. It looks like the Knicks aren't going to make the playoffs. Blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we are not out of the woods yet. We are still struggling of late. But all of a sudden, you know, IQ, 
Burks, RJ, Randall, and Noel and Taj, that those five there slash six, uh, later Noel was, uh, Taj was replaced with Noel in overtime. But those, those few players there hitting huge baskets for the Knicks <clears throat> in the final 12 plus 5 is 17 minutes of this game. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, it started with that Emmanuel quickly pass to Alec Burks for 3. That pulls the Knicks within 10 with about a half quarter to play. Then John Morant answers with a layup. <laughs> Makes it 12 again. Well, no, I'm sorry. It was Grayson Allen from 3. So, IQ kicks it to Burks from 3. Knicks pull within 10. Grayson Allen answers from 3. It's 13 again. Then you get Julius kicking one to RJ for three on the right wing. He pulls the Knicks within 10. But that's when John Morant comes with a strong left-handed take and pulls the Grizz back up by 12. But then RJ, strong left-handed take, and this sparks a 6 nothing run for the Bockers. He gets the strong take. IQ gets into the paint, makes it an 8-point game. Julius Randle. Again, struggling all night, but here, a big fallback jumper from about 15 feet to make it a full, uh, a six-point game with four minutes left. Then Alec Burks, strong contact twice, two shooting fouls, hits all four of those free throws within those couple of minutes, makes it another, makes it a, a four-point game with two minutes to play. <laughs> um, Then you have Randall. Down the lane. Kicking it to RJ in the corner again. He missed... Oh, no. RJ makes it. But Randall, Randall takes it. So Randall takes his own. He goes on two defenders. He gets the M1. That makes it a three-point game. Then he goes down the lane. Kicks it to RJ. And that's when RJ draws that shooting foul. He missed the shot, but he got fouled. He drew a foul on that Dylan Brooks fuck. And he hits all three... Of those free throws to tie the game with 30 seconds left. There's about 37 seconds left in this game. Randall, middle of the lane, kicks it to RJ, draws the foul on Brooks, and he hits that uh, hits those three free throws. Huge. He does not make those free throws last season. Not them at all. Not in the clutch. But this year, I'm telling you, we have a new and improved Barrett. He's just as determined as he ever was, if not more. And he hits all free, all those all those free throws. The game is tied, and you have about thirty something seconds left. Then you get Taj fouling John Morant on that one possession, um, but Morant misses one of those two free throws, and so the Knicks still have a chance here. Down a point. What does Tom Thibodeau he Thibodeau do? So he calls the timeout, and out of the timeout, what do you know? Another isolation draw up for Julius Randle. <coughs> Excuse me. We see it all the time. Late in these games, the only thing he's able to draw up is an iso for Julius. And here it is again. Another, you know, baseless Julius iso play to try and be the hero, and he misses the shot. Shot does not fall. And eventually Taj Gibson called for a loose ball foul on Valanciunas. And Valanciunas misses one of two free throws. So the Knicks kind of dealing with some luck here. Getting a bit lucky. So then they're down two points with the final possession 
of this game, of regulation. So off the Valanchunas miss, because he missed the second free throw, RJ grabs the board, Knicks down two. He goes coast to coast. And what I love is he didn't even think twice, didn't even think once, not a bit, not a second in his mind was he even thinking about kicking it out to one of his teammates there. He took it upon himself. He went coast to coast, took it upon himself. I fucking love that. And he drives left on John Morant, overpowers him, gets the finish, tie ball game, eight seconds left. Just so close. Again, this is shit he does not do last season. You know, he didn't do much of this. There was that Houston Rockets game where he was huge in the clutch, but he didn't have a lot of big moments. This year, he's had so many big moments. Has he had a couple of lapses? Yeah, we just talked about the big turnover in Boston, but he did respond with the big shot in that game, and here he is tonight. Nothing but flawless in the fourth quarter and in overtime. So here in the fourth quarter, he misses. Valanchunas misses. RJ goes coast to coast with the, uh, with the board, and he fucking finishes on John Morant, and he ties this game. But the Grizz, you know, still with a few seconds left. Morant gets a great look from about three, four feet away. Flicks up a floater. Misses. Valanchunas, of course, gets the offensive rebound because we just can't do that anymore these days. But he misses a point-blank tip. A point-blank tip in. So he misses the tip. The buzzer sounds. And we're going to overtime, boys. <laughs> going to overtime, boys. Be right back. Hey guys, have I told you about Anchor yet? Anchor's an app where you can download it or you can just go to their website and they allow you to make your own podcast from Anchor. You can go to anchor.fm or download the Anchor app and you can make your own podcast right from that platform. You don't have to mess around or anything. You can make it right on that platform. You can record it on that platform. You can edit it on that platform and then you publish it on that platform. And here's the best part of that. It's completely free, but they also pay you for being a podcaster on their platform. All you have to do is read an advertisement like I'm doing right now, except without your voice cracking like mine just did. So guys, go to anchor.fm or download the Anchor app and get started today. Hey fellas, so really quick before we get back into the show, I do want to remind you that if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast or subscribed to my blog or followed me on social media even, you can do all that by going to my link tree. Just go to linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. That is linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. Guys, thanks so much. Let's get back to the show. Just some big shots again from R.J. Barrett in overtime. Uh, Julius Randle again. And Alec Burks with some huge makes. Um, you know, two two big shots in a row. Then he hits that last one later in the, in the overtime frame. Oh, man. Big, 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 big. Um, 
that he Burks hits that three midway through the overtime period, and then he follows that up with like a floater from a really tough floater, but contested, spins around like a, not a floater. Uh, what do you call it? a hook shot slash? Yeah, it was a weird, but he hits it from like ten feet away, contested to follow up that three he just sunk. Then RJ hits that big three with about a minute and fifteen seconds left from Randall's kickout, and. That breaks the 124-124 tie. So RJ3, with about a minute and change left, puts the Knicks up 127-124. Then you have Burks putting the extra padding on this one. Goes left hand, gives them some breathing room, a five-point game. You know, Then we play the foul game a bit quickly, gets fouled. He hits both his free throws, and, the, and that was that. That was all she wrote. And the Knicks picked up a very exciting, very, very thrilling offensive-minded victory in this game against the Memphis Grizzlies. A wonderful, wonderful, resilient win for a Knicks team who have been struggling mightily of late. You know, four out of their last five, two in a row. And, you know, losing to teams that they shouldn't be losing to. But they figure out a way to pull it out of their ass because that's what they've done all year. That is what they've done all year. They've figured out ways to win. Previous Knicks teams, they did the opposite. They figured out ways to lose. But this Knicks team is different. They're special. Tom Thibodeau has instilled something in them to where they will be fighting even when they don't look like they're exactly the Knicks team that has all this energy. They're still going to give you a fight. They're still going to, at one point or another, have that stretch where they kind of find it again and the the momentum is there and they're going to work you. And that's what they did. They grinded this thing out. They are a gritty team led by gritty players like R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, and Alec Burks continuing to hit big shots for them down the stretch. And we get the victory. And you got got to credit Tom Thibodeau. He adjusted down the stretch for the second game in a row. Two games in a row now where he's not staying with his starters when they're struggling and just running them into the ground. No. He's adjusting. He's shaking things up. And he closed the game with what was working. And again, IQ, RJ, Burks, Julius, then swapped Taj for Noel there in the OT. Gotta give him credit for that. You know, Emmanuel quickly, 31 minutes tonight, man, versus Peyton's 15. He closed the game. He closed the game and he got 31 minutes. Alec Burks, 33 minutes. He closed the game. 19 points. Derek Rose, 26 minutes. Exactly the amount he needs. 19 points. A tick under 50%. Second unit played a huge role tonight, man. He realized that. He saw that they were thriving. And he made the adjustments. Made the adjustments, went with them in that closing lineup, and it paid off. Even Obi Toppin looked good and got some run. He, he got 15 minutes to play, scored eight points on three for five, six rebounds, had an assist. He was good. He was good. He was pick. You know, he's been better of late. He's not, you know, anywhere near we hoped, but he's definitely been a lot better lately than what we've been seeing for him for the majority of the season. He's picking his spots now. He's not just standing 20 feet outside near the wing, 
waiting for a jumper. You know, he's moving without the ball. He's setting some good screens. Had some nice tip-ins. He had that, that fucking dunk from the baseline to clean up somebody's miss tonight. That was insane. Came out of nowhere. But that's what we want to see more of. That aggressive Obi who's not afraid to go in there and, and, and attack. And maybe take a couple of free throws. Because he's got a decent stroke. So it would be nice to get him going. You know, especially with Julius Gast. Julius is a bit gassed right now. And we've talked about this. He, he's not been the same since the All-Star break. You can see it in the body language throughout the game. It's not just towards the end of games now. It's the way he's starting these games and playing throughout. He just doesn't seem to have that same pizzazz that he once did. You know, and you could tell it's it's the legs. It's tired legs. Because he's front-rimming a lot of his shots. So, he's not been the same. You know, the three-point um, shooting is... is Still over 40%. The field goal percentage is still efficient. But you look at the percentages. Lately, you know, three poor shooting nights in a row. Four of his last five have been under 40%. And you look at it, he was 48% from the floor in the first half. And I think he's barely over 40% this half. So, there's a big difference there. You know, and um, I don't know how it's going to work. Again, I'm not big... I've been one of the guys who've been who've had no no major issues with the Knicks giving their productive players major minutes. Like I have no issue with Randall and RJ playing 35, 40 minutes, but because without them doing so, they wouldn't be in this position to where they're we're talking about playoffs here. But you know, I'm sure you can look back at it if you, if you go into it and you look at all these games where we're blowing teams out, or maybe a few games where we're getting blown out late when there's like six five or six minutes remaining and we still have Julius on the floor. It's like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Still putting him out there when he clearly needs every bit of rest as he can. So if we've done that more consistently, it'll probably add up and say, Oh yeah, there are probably moments where we could have saved a whole lot from Julius. And maybe if we did that, he wouldn't be as gassed as he is right now, but it's easy to sit there on the couch and play coach. Right? So I, I, I just, I take it as we are a, playoff contender because he's been playing these big minutes and I don't exactly want to kill Thibodeau too much for that because we've been killing him we've been killing all these Nick coaches of the past several seasons for not playing the productive young players and stuff so I'm not going to be one to flip it now I wish Alfred Payton had gotten less you know gets less minutes and and other other veterans but you know I'm not going to be too... It's difficult. This is just going to happen. Julius is... And a lot of this is because he has to go out there and do so much because we don't have a a deep team. We don't have a point guard. This guy's got to go out... Our power our power forward, unfortunately, is, is our best point guard. Right? Alfred Payton is going to Alfred Payton. Uh, Derrick Rose is a decent stopgap. But again, he's so old. He's got a lot of wear and tear on those knees. It's kind of difficult for Alfred Payton to to be that guy for so long, for so much. And Emmanuel Quickly is great, but he's a very inconsistent rookie who's more of a shooter than he is a point guard, a traditional point guard. But, um, yeah. Fortunately, RJ's on point. So during this stretch where Randall's a bit gassed, we've got RJ to rely on, who's a lot younger you know, six or seven years younger, and he's balling. He goes for 20 more points tonight. 
He has five rebounds tonight. He shot seven for 13 from the floor tonight. He was two for four from three-point distance. Another efficient night from three. Four for five from the free throw stripe. His confidence right now is through the fucking roof. It is oozing. He is oozing with confidence. His last 41 games. Last 41, I said. His last 41 games. He's 48% from the field. And get this. 46% from the arc in his last 41 games. RJ Barrett. The guy you guys wanted to G League. The guy everybody said was a bust. The guy everybody said would never make it. Can't shoot. Is 46% from three-point distance through a sample size of 41 fucking games. Overall in the season, he's got the numbers up to 18 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists. And the shooting percentages are now respectable. 45% from the floor. And 38% from three. I keep looking at that 38% on the season. And I'm, I am so amazed. 38 is a really solid, it's a solid percentage. It's, it's a couple of ticks above average. You know, that's what Mello shot in his 2013 season when he scored, when he left the league in scoring. Obviously at a bit of a higher volume, but RJ Barrett shooting 38% is something I did not envision. I said, just not even long ago... If he can be a guy who hovers around 33 to 35, I would take that. He's at 38 right now. So seeing him operate like this, and he's been so good, not just as a shooter, but as a slasher. So good at finding holes and picking the defense apart and using those screens. You know, seeing him operate like this while handcuffed in an offense with the worst spacing in basketball, that makes it even more impressive. You know, the kid is doing all this with, with very little spacing, very little shooters around him, playing a lot of his minutes with Alfred Payton, who's probably, ha he probably has the lowest assist percentage with another player in NBA history when it comes to Payton assisting RJ Barrett. I, I swear, you never have anything lower than this. You will never see that. A guy literally doesn't assist him. So playing with Alfred Payton... In this, in this offense that just does not space the floor. It's really impressive to see him do what he's doing. He, the kid is 20 years old. You watch him. He's so resilient. So determined. So ahead. Advanced for his age. Just look at the kid. Play, that straight face. That fucking dead eye. That dead eyed sleepy face that he has. That poker face that never changes emotion. Never changes. He looks bored out of his mind. You hear him talk. He sounds like he wants to go the fuck home. But that's his that's that's his game. It says absolutely nothing, but at the same time, it tells you everything you need to know about RJ Barrett. The man is cold blooded. He does not have emotion. He does not feel anything. He just goes out there and he balls out and he doesn't let anything bother him. <clears throat> that's why he's a second half player. The guy that's why I said I texted my buddy, my brother in law tonight, told him he's a fourth quarter player. You gotta wait. He had five points in the first three quarters. He probably forgot about it. He probably... like The equivalent to getting banged in the head by a cinder block. Just didn't even... You probably could have asked him, enter in the fourth quarter, how many points did you... Did you know you had five points in the first three quarters? He probably would have said, what? 
because he doesn't care. He doesn't care. He went out there in the fourth and in OT, and he dropped 15 ho-hum. He's cold-blooded. The man is cold. He's coming. And I've been saying, I see this guy being an all-star year four. Guys, you know, I, if he keeps this up, year three might be the year we're talking about it. And you look at his numbers right now. Everybody wants to talk about John Morant. They're not too far off John Morant. Now, you can make a case John Morant's a bit better. But they're not far off. And don't tell me he should have been left off that top 25, under 25 list by ESPN. Bullshit. Bridges, Halliburton, Edwards, Sexton. What, are you kidding me? But the man hears all that. He hears all that smoke. And he wants it all. And he goes out on the court and that's how he deals with it. That's what he does. He doesn't go on social media like KD. Instagram, uh, uh, inboxing people on their Instagram or Twitter or whatever. Or, you know, calling people out and getting into fights and comment sections. He doesn't do that shit. He takes it out on the fucking court. Because that's how a ball player is supposed to handle his business. RJ Barrett. Getting the Garden on their feet tonight. The Garden was pumping. They were pumped up. They were intense. They were on their feet. They were loud. You would have thought it was more than a couple thousand. Can only imagine what it would have sounded like with a full crowd tonight. Oh. Wish New York was more like Texas. Really do. Um. Just triggered a bunch of people with that, didn't I? Um. Oh, man, it was fun watching. And, and uh, what's his name? Kenny Albert did a pretty good job calling the game, too. But could you, have imagined, could you have imagined what Breen would have done tonight? The multiple bangs we would have heard from Breen on those RJ3s. Man, that would have been awesome. But it was an excellent win for the Bockers tonight. Um, excellent for RJ Barrett. Excellent for the point guards. Not named Ilford Payton. Well, he was okay. But, you know, do we, do, why do I have to keep saying this? You know, just just go D-Rose, go IQ, no EP. It's simple. I like IQ closing these games because, again, it's it's clear that Rose is a 20, 25 minutes player at this point in his career. With the wear and tear, he's older. That's how he was handled with Detroit most recently until he uh, was traded to the Knicks. They did the same thing with him off the bench for about 20-25 minutes. They were aware. Because he kind of doesn't have it in his legs late in games. And that's why he got blocked on a Thompson shot against the Celtics. You could see it. He just didn't have that juice. And so I like us closing with IQ. I like us I would like us to start with Rose and to close with IQ and to go and to tell Alfred Payton he can go, you know, fill out an app, an application for Chick-fil-A or something. But, um, sorry, man, he just gives you nothing outside of his, you know, mediocre to above average performances here and there. It's just far and few between. This is who he is. The other two guys are going to produce for you more consistently. One's younger with the ceiling. The other, you know what you're getting. A solid point guard. So, everything was good tonight. If there's one bad, the, the one negative is is lately, it's been our rebounding. It is atrocious lately. Again, we are missing 
We are just we we miss Mitch. So we are getting eaten alive without Mitchell Robinson on that floor. We really are. Noel's great, but he's slender. He's constantly getting out muscled. And I know Mitch is thin too, but at least Mitch has that insane through the roof athleticism to make up for it. And he's much, much more of a shot blocker. Noel's been great as a shot blocker, but Mitch is a legit elite rim protector with his length and athleticism combined. Noel's slender, but he doesn't have that length to make up for it that Mitch does. And Taj is okay, but he's he's Taj. He's old. He's a very old veteran. With He's very limited with what he can do at this point. So we miss Mitch. Maybe, maybe you know, that Norvell Pell guy looked pretty good in his first outing. You know, when he dislocated his finger and then blocked two, uh, two shots in a row. Um, against Isaiah Stewart there. Maybe give Pell some minutes. Just, you know, some fresh legs here. Henson. We just signed Henson. Somebody else. Just put another body in there. See what they can do. They're two decent defensive players. And see if that changes some things. But we are getting eaten alive right now on the board and on the boards. And I'm sure a lot of that has to do with Julius Randle. <clears throat> Not exactly the same. You know, he's had some single-digit rebounding performances of late. But he's had some triple doubles of late. You know, he's just not been the same consistently productive guy since the first half of the season. So, hopefully Obi, who had six rebounds in 15 minutes tonight, can start doing that more consistently. Man, it would be so good if Obi Toppin was more consistent. But, that's pretty much all I have tonight. Uh, we could do some more and talk about a little bit more, but I, I don't want to go too long. I'm tired. I want to edit this. Uh, put it up and get to bed. So, guys, thanks so much for stopping by. We're going to head to break one last time. But as soon as we get back, we're going to wrap it up with the NYY, NYK question of the day. All right, so in episode 229, last episode out, I asked you guys, name, uh, I told you to name any of the three Yankee pitchers with four 20-win seasons with the franchise. So name any of the three Yankee pitchers to have won 20 games four times with the Yankees. That's impressive. Just name one of those three guys. In the answer to that, you could have said Red Ruffing, Bob Shockey, or Lefty Gomez. Those were the three options. So those three guys have each won four. I'm sorry, have each won 20 games on four different occasions for the Yankees. Pretty fucking impressive. Never gonna happen again because with the, with the bullpen and everything, and and with people trying to abolish the wins, <laughs> fucking idiots. I don't think that's ever going to happen again. Especially with the longevity and, and the injuries. and Just don't see something like that happening again. Uh, tonight's NYY, or this episode's NYYNYK question of the day. Sponsored by Anchor. Best way to make a podcast. Get your Anchor app uh, or go to anchor.fm. Our question for this episode. Sorry, trying to get everything set up here. Um... 
Who scored 36 points to lead the Knicks past the Lakers in Game 7 of the 1970 Finals? All right, one last time. <clears throat> Who scored, which Nick scored 36 points in Game 7 of the 1970 Finals when they beat the Lakers? Who was it? 36 points, Game 7. Which Nick? 1970. All right, so message me the answer, whether that be on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or comment the answer once I publish the promo or link to this podcast. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I am your host, RJ Carbone. This is episode 230, 230 of BD4, of the podcast, BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. You know, my buddy asked me, why is my podcast named BD4? I don't know if anybody knows this, but BD4, those are the three subway routes, the three different trains you could take to Yankee Stadium, which is why our, uh, our I guess little tagline is is no better way those are the three most efficient routes to the stadium and there's no better way to get your yankees and knicks analysis that's why we're bd4 guys thank you so much for stopping by um i'm your host rj carbone if you read my blogs or if you follow me on social media and listen to me bitch and moan about the yankees and knicks like they're so bad um then uh, I'll see you tomorrow afternoon when the Yankees play at one o'clock. Or that's probably as you're listening to this. It's probably that's I'm probably as you're listening to this. I'm probably bitching on Twitter right now about the Yankees playing right now. So there's that. So um, I appreciate you guys stopping by. Thank you so much. I'll see you next time, Joe. This podcast is sponsored by Anchor.